This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you don't turn this off because you, I assure you, you have not seen this episode, even though you may think you have. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Steelers Nation South, Rollo Cawthon, also from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Dion Reed. We are joined by a special guest here tonight, second team All-American, shooting guard out of Eastern Michigan, went on to the NBA, played with the Kings, the Cavaliers, the Warriors. Oh, right there behind me, um, and the Magic, and then uh, four years overseas. He became an assistant college coach before being named the head coach at Jackson College, and he went on to work at Duquesne there for a little bit uh, with his brother, and he's currently the first ever head coach of Cleary University. He also has two silver medals repping Team USA at the Pan Am Games. So we got Coach Carl Thomas. Carl, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Mike, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I look forward to this. Awesome. And if he does look familiar to you and you, you've been watching our show, that's because we had his twin brother on a few episodes back. So uh, if you haven't seen that one, go check it out because we were also talking college basketball on that one, just like we are tonight. Tonight's debate is going to be the greatest uh, NCAA tournament championship game upset. So uh, that's going to be a good one. And we're going to have our Q&A afterwards for Carl, as always, like we always do on this show. So we're going to start out tonight with Rollo. All right, Kansas, Oklahoma, April 4th, 1988, which is still the third biggest point spread upset in the history of the NCAA tournament. Danny and the Miracles, uh, they were a six-seed, 11-loss team that had actually lost twice to Oklahoma in the regular season, 73-65 and 95-87. Oklahoma rolled through the tournament <clears throat> with their closest margin of victory being only eight points. Um Oklahoma also had four future NBA starters on their roster that were playing in that game. Uh, they had won 21 of their previous 22 games prior to the national championship game. Uh, but Kansas had Danny Manning, who was the national player of the year and the Big Eight player of the year. Um, the Jayhawks basically slowed down Oklahoma, who averaged 102 points a game, um, to, to you know, basically lull them to sleep. And, but Manning... Uh, like he did all tournament, because um, he was the most outstanding player of the tournament. Uh, he had 31 points, 18 boards, five steals, and two block shots. The Jayhawks um, made that, took that performance and rolled it to the NCAA uh, championship game uh, tournament win, and they are the only uh, NCAA tournament team to have 10 plus losses on their on their resume. So that's mm. why this is one of the biggest upsets of all time. You had a six seed, 11 loss team who had lost twice already to this team. And they basically took Oklahoma out of their element, slowed them down, won the game. So Carl, uh, Kansas wasn't quite the Kansas we know today uh, at that point. And I think uh, Manning kind of really helped escalate them into what they become but uh 10 losses that did, did they just get hot at the right time I mean what do, what do you think happened there I, I think they did I mean it only takes six 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 games to get hot to, to win it all and actually we got uh Charles and I got to see him in Eastern Michigan we got to see him up close and personal because we were in the same region um as them uh out in Nebraska and they didn't look like much quite frankly I mean Danny probably would hate to hear me say that now uh, but I didn't really think they looked like much. I mean, they were a good team, and he was a special talent. Uh, but I thought if they could win a game, we could win a game because they played before us. 
uh, we just happened to play Pitt, who was number two in the country with Charles Smith and Jerome Lane, all those guys. And and uh, we had no shot. Had a good first half, but didn't have really a shot in the, in the bigger scheme of things. But, uh, no, Danny was amazing. And, and the guys that he brought along with him, uh, which what shows in today's game, if you have good role players and a good superstar in college, you can do a lot of things. Um, but it is crazy to hear that they lost to him twice. Um, they had 10 losses on the year. It's amazing what can happen in the tournament, though. 11 losses. 11 losses. Excuse me, 11 losses. But it's still amazing what wow. can happen in the tournament. I mean, we saw it this year, right? Yeah. All, all the teams that were big teams that thought they were going to be there, and it happened over and over and over again. I mean, Virginia happens every year. Purdue is another one. So uh, what Danny and the Miracles did that year was uh, was pretty special. And I would have to say it does rank up there as one of the tops of all time. And it's just interesting to see, like, the trajectory of the two teams after that. What's happened to Oklahoma? I mean, yeah, you'll get the tournament here and there, but they, they haven't done much. Whereas right. Kansas, powerhouse, you know. One of the big elite schools. Um, so, but yeah, let's uh, let's go on to Brian. All right. So I got a 1985 Georgetown versus Villanova. Uh, you know, first you look at Georgetown. John Thompson's team ended a regular season ranked number one overall. They went 35 and three, 14 and two in the Big East. They averaged 74.3 points per game. Only gave up 57.3. Uh, which was the sixth best average in the nation. Uh, their SRS, which is a, a rate that balances the point differential and the strength of schedule, it was ranked number one in the nation. They cruised through the Big East tournament, no problem. They cruised through the March Madness tournament, averaging a point differential of just under 16 per game. Uh, and this team's roster was stacked. Five players who ultimately made the NBA, uh, Michael Jackson, Reggie Williams, Bill Martin, Dave Wingate, and, of course, the legendary Patrick Ewing. Uh, Villanova, on the other hand, this was not a team to get very excited about. I mean, they averaged uh, just 4.8 points more than they allowed. Uh, the record was 25 and 10, uh, just 9 and 7 in the Big East. They lost both of their regular season games against Georgetown. Uh, they only won one game in the Big East tournament. They were unranked. They drew an eight seed for the March Madness tournament. And then, then they proceeded to just squeak by Dayton by two. Michigan by four, Maryland by three. Uh, they took care of UNC by 12 and Memphis by seven, but the basketball world really did not view them as a, a really competitive matchup uh, versus Georgetown. Uh, Nova, they found themselves nine and a half point underdogs for the finals. Uh, but in the finals, Nova was able to neutralize Georgetown by their long possession. So it's no longer legal now with this shot clock, but they were using the four corner strategy um, they played what Sports Illustrated later called the perfect game. Their field goal percentage was an astounding 79%, and they were ultimately able to hold off the Hoyas to win the national title championship 66-64. You know, Nova, you know, throughout their, what they went through, you know, they learned how to win close games. They had their backs against the wall from late in the regular season when they actually fell to 18-9 and were on the, on the bubble for the tournament. Yet they pulled off one of the greatest late-season runs ever, including their amazing upset over the star-studded Hoyas. So this was supposed to be Patrick Ewing's title. Everybody thought it. Everybody knew it was going to happen. Carl, what, what what went wrong? You know, Brian said it. I mean, they 79% from the floor. I mean, you forget. That, that is that is mind-blowing yeah. that you can go that far. And with that, we're going to need superstars. Easy Ed probably, Pickney was probably the biggest superstar. 
uh, the McLean brothers were, I mean, not the brothers, but the McLeans, you know, both the Waynes, the nasty, I remember that big nasty left hand and shooting guy from the corner. Uh, Raleigh had him playing, playing at the right time again. It only takes one good game and one bad game to, to lose it or win it. And whatever game plan Raleigh had going that game, it worked. Four corners, you know, Dean Smith with uh, Phil Ford, all those guys put it into play. You can still use it. Why not use it to your advantage? Uh, we hate it right now, especially in high school basketball, when there's no shot clock. We want to see guys play. Uh, but when it comes down to one winner takes all and you got to do what you got to do, uh, Villanova did what they had to do. But 79% uh, shooting from the floor is, is un unbelievable. Uh, so hats off to those guys because they, they, you know, you figure all the pressure on the 21, 22-year-old to 18-year-old kids on that stage. And to be able to pull off that game plan, um, you got to take your hats off to Raleigh and his players. Well, I just, what are your thoughts on, like, you know, the great Coach Thompson? I mean, just in innovator when it comes to college basketball. You know, I I think when, you know, especially when he died, we, everybody attributes for him. I mean, I actually had a towel on myself in practice. You know, when everybody's putting it on in the games and as we're in practice. So uh, the things that he did and, and the opportunities he gave players uh, to go to his prestigious school, to put them on the map, to bring them out of areas that normally wouldn't have been able to get to if it wasn't for him, it wasn't for basketball. Uh, he did a lot more for a lot of people other than being a great coach. And I think, I mean, looking back as a young player, I was 15 when the, when the game happened. It's just his presence um, is so great. When I became a coach, I want to have a presence like that with my team and my players. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of things you can talk about with Coach Thompson, from what he did to his sons did as coaches as well. I mean, I mean, young John III took took over the mantle. How about trying to take over that that that, that position from yeah. from your dad, right? That right. And, he, and he did it, and he did he did a good job of it, right? So uh, I think a lot of you know African American coaches in the game right now give a lot of their due to John Thompson, and for the right reasons, it's well warranted. All right, let's move on to Dion. So yeah, when you think about Cinderella teams, uh, you can't leave out NC State uh, in 1983. Um, perfect uh, Cinderella story. It wasn't just the NCAA 20 tournament, but their story actually started back in their own conference tournament. I don't know if you guys um, remember, but just like uh, Brian's team, this NC State, they were a team that was on the bubble, uh, needed to win their win out in the NC, uh, their conference tournament just to make it to the NCAA tournament. And they had nail biters, like, the entire month of March. Um, as far as the championship game, happened April 4th, 1983, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, Houston came in 31-2, and a 31-2 record, number one seed in their region in, in the whole uh, NCAA uh, bracket. Um, NC State, they came in as the sixth seed. Uh, they were... Houston was favored by seven and a half points. Houston, I mean, they got the nickname Five Slamming Jammer <laughs> for a reason. Uh, six NBA players uh, were Reed Geddes, uh, Larry Mishu, Michael Young, Alvin Franklin, Hakeem, Clyde Drexler. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is you talk about uh, Patrick Ewing. Uh, that was supposed to be his championship. This was Houston's championship right here. Uh, no one expected NC State to have a chance. Um, but of course, uh, the legendary coach Jim B. Um, he started off the game with uh, making some comments before the game, just trying to have you know a little fun with the media talking about that they were going to hold the ball for forty minutes just so they, the other team wouldn't uh, score. But that's the exact opposite of what happened. They came out the gate flying. 
Uh, this was a high high uh, paced game throughout the whole game. Um, they ended up getting Clyde Drexler into foul trouble in the first half. He had four fouls in the first half. Um, and NC State was actually up at halftime, uh, thirty three to twenty five. Have all the momentum going into the half. Um, Houston, they come out strong, strong. They had a 17 to two run, uh, causing Coach V to burn up his timeouts. <laughs> if you rewatch the game, he was extremely upset about the timeouts that he had to burn. Um, but Wittenberg, he he made some crucial shots to get uh, NC State back into the game. Um, some turnovers helped NC State as well to get back into the game and some free throws. Um, NC State defense was relentless. They, after getting back into the game and going back and forth with the lead, the final three minutes, Houston did not score a single basket. And as I said, Houston, they couldn't get a single basket on the free throw line or on the field. Um, they had double-digit turnovers in the second half, which, again, let NC State back into the game. But Houston, uh, when they were up in, um, before the three minutes, they tried to do the whole hold the ball, slow, slow the game down, try to take momentum from NC State, which actually cost them because it took their momentum away as well because they couldn't get a basket and they were turning the ball over. Uh, when it came down to the final minute, um, they had a missed free throws, Houston did, and once NC State got the ball, they held the ball for the final minute, and then as final 10 seconds, they tried to push the ball to get to the basket. A one bad pass almost went over uh, the half-court line. Uh, Derek Wittenberg got the ball, threw up a Hail Mary. What they call was the worst shot, but the best pass <laughs> to Lorenzo Charles underneath the basket, and he had the game win slammed up. And there it is, the best Cinderella story. So five slam jamma, they had a three-year run there, absolutely out, outstanding. Uh, you know, Dion uh, gave us a lot of info there. So, what do you think went wrong in this game, Coach? Uh, I, first, of all, I got to say, you know, bringing back memories right now of the game. I, I'm still mad. You know, I played, I played for the Cavs, and this, this little thing over my shoulder, uh, me guarding Jordan when I was playing with the Cavs, and uh, one of my assistant coaches at the time was Sidney Lowe, who played in the game. It was Wittenberg's running mate. And I'm still – I was so mad at sitting when I came on the team. Like, man, you guys beat my my, my guys, man. You know, Benny <laughs> Andrews should have had that steal. They'd have been fine. He had that back tip. He had that steal. You know, they don't get – Wittenberg doesn't shoot the air ball. And Lorenzo Charles, we don't even know about him. So, Benny Andrews had that steal. He, he, we'd have been good. But the the Houston team was great. I mean, that that they had no shot. I mean, I had them winning too. I was still young. But I can remember that game vividly. No one in the world – I'm not telling the country. No one in the world thought they were going to win. And I still can't believe that they won the game. I still can't believe they won the game. But, again, uh, like you said, Jimmy V coached his tail off. And that's why when you see him running around at the end of the game like crazy looking for somebody to jump on, releasing all that emotion, that's the culmination of somebody you worked so hard to get to the pinnacle. And it does take some luck. So Lorenzo Charles is in the right spot. Uh, but, th again, they played their butts off and they proved it. Why you got why you got Clyde Drexler in the game in the first half to get his fourth foul? I understand that one either. There's a lot of yeah. things that went crazy there, but uh, you know I'm, I'm a fan of college basketball. So anybody who loves college basketball, they love watching that game. They loved all these upsets. They love all these upsets because that's what March Madness is truly all about. Absolutely.
All right, so let's move on to our our final team here tonight. And uh, you know, if on this show I always say money talks, well, the money was definitely not on Duke this night. This upset was the biggest point spread upset in championship game history. So Vegas, you know, they got this one wrong for sure. And anytime you can beat Duke, you know, it's going to be an upset and it's it's going to be a good day for whoever does that. So we're going to go to uh, 1999 here, UConn over Duke. Duke, that season, they had tied the record for uh, most regular season wins. Um, and so the 98-99 team, they had five players that went on to the NBA. That included Elton Brand, Shane Battier, two very solid players. Um, Duke's only loss that season was a two-point loss to Cincinnati, and that was like all the way back in November. Um they're the number one seed going into the east side of the tournament. As usual, Duke's always number one just because their name's Duke. Uh, their four rounds to make the finals, check this out. The first game, they won by 41 points. Now, granted, that was, you know, against a 16 seed, but that's still 41 points. Their second game, they win by 41 points. Third game, 17 points. And then they win the next one by 21 points. So that's a pretty big spread there. Um, so you can see that they certainly were given the right the right ranking of being number one going into the tournament. Now UConn comes out on the west side as a number one seed. Now they they have three NBA players that they would go on the NBA. Richard Hamilton being the most successful of it. Um, Gonzaga gave them a bit of a fight in the final four game to play Duke, um, but Duke was heavily favored uh, in this game. Uh, they led by two points, only two points at halftime, but UConn outscored them. Um, by five in the second half for a three-point win. So, I mean, I can't, I can't come out to you and point at like like they've all been able to. Like there was this one shot that you know, you got Thomas's shot. You know, you got uh, with Rollo. You got uh, well, I don't even remember what he said earlier. I'm blanking now. But you know, Brian had Patrick Ewing. He should have got his title. It was a little bit different in this game. It's just the fact that you're playing Duke. And anytime in college basketball, it just escalates everything. Uh, it, it's so much bigger. And and that's why this is a huge upset. Coach K is legendary. Um, but, you know, Calhoun ha has been a great coach as well. So you got you got to give it to him there up, up in UConn. And a lot of people don't want to go all the way up to UConn to play basketball. It's cold. You know, let, let's just be real. So... Coach Carl, I got to come to you here. Uh, Vegas got it wrong. You know, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? And, and why is beating Duke? Why does everybody hate Duke? I think I asked your brother this one. We were talking Christian later. Why does everybody hate Duke? Because <laughs> they, they win, right? I mean, everybody hates teams that win. And, and Coach K had it rolling there. And, and, yeah, you become a huge bullseye, not only in your conference, but you become a huge bullseye in America. And Christian Leighton during his time there didn't do anything to help that, neither did Bobby, because uh, they were guys that you wanted to hate, especially Christian, but he embraced it, right? Um, but, I, no, I mean, I mean, you just said they had three NBA players on UConn as well. Coach Calhoun in his own right is a, is a great coach. So if all the ones that we talked about uh, probably would have been the most fairly matched up, right, if you think about it. So it's more of a, of a game. Like, you have to be on your game to play. And, and, again, we talk about, you know, the small thing t turns in a tournament that can win or lose a game. When you're that evenly matched a little bit and the coaches are on kind of the same level, it just it really becomes a player game. Player game. And, like you said, Rip Hamilton on your team, I, I would take him on my team against those guys from Duke um, as well. 
Uh, I that one's kind of remember that one a lot too because uh, that's when I was spending my time in Europe, right? You know, '99 I first started over. I was in France, then I went to Greece after that in Sweden. Uh, so I was over in Europe watching watching these games and staying up at three o'clock in the morning. But that's what March Madness does for you. You can't miss it. It's must see TV every March. Uh, so that one was a great game, like I said, because it was evenly, evenly matched with two great coaches. Well, let's move into our vote tonight. Cannot pick your own, as usual. Brian, who are you taking? Well, I mean, I, I respect all these upsets a lot. And, uh, I mean, when I look at UConn-Duke, I mean, UConn was a one seed. So it doesn't – I mean, I, I get the Vegas thing, but at the same time, they were, they were one seed. They belong there. Calhoun's a great coach. I can't go with them. I respect the Kansas, you know, Kansas did Oklahoma. I respect that. And that was a great upset. But to me, I mean, Clyde Drexler and Hakeem on the same team and they lose. I mean, how does that happen? How does that happen? That's, I got to go NC State, man. I got to go with that one. Okay. Rollo? I was going to go Georgetown. Because Villanova shot 79% from the floor with Patrick Ewing, one of the best shot blockers in college basketball on the floor. They shot 79%. But with that being said, the image of Jim Valvon running around on the, on the court trying to find somebody to hug or jump onto is <laughs> that is iconic. That was like, yeah, it was iconic. It was. Iconic, yeah. you know, and him going on to his fame and with his charity now, of course, with his passing. I got to go with, go with NC State. Okay. Rollo, the only one who can't vote for NC State tonight, by the way. <laughs> you mean Dion? Or, yeah, Dion. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with UConn. I didn't know that was the biggest point spread in championship history. Um, I mean, the names, I'm sure that team was, was stacked. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with UConn. Though. I'm gonna go with UConn. Can't go wrong going with Vegas. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, I, I'll make mine short and sweet. I, I, I'm I'm going to NC State as well, Coach. I got. It. I mean, you, you guys said it very, very, very well, very well. And, and we know it would have been a clean sweep for North Carolina because Jim Valvano. We would, again, right? Brian said it. The names on that team, right? Even Michael Young, the sleep on Michael Young, the lefty, had a great career as well. I mean, yeah. even though he played a lot of it in Europe, but he had a great career as well. They had that team was loaded. Nineteen eighty-three, North Carolina State had no chance of beating those guys. Like I said earlier, uh, but again, Jim Valvano and everything. You know, my love to Sid Low. Like I said, he coached me. I, I got to go with North Carolina State myself. All right. So win the night for Dion, North Carolina gets or North Carolina State, excuse me, over Houston, nineteen eighty-three. No, yeah, 1983. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 40 That's years ago. Long. My goodness. I can't believe it's 40 years. I was, wow. I was negative 12 years old. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't say anywhere near the same as that. But uh, let's move into our Q&A. Dion, you got the win. You got first question. Then we'll go Brian, Rollo, me. Uh, all right. So, um, yeah, Carl, I think I asked your brother the same question. Um. What is life as a journeyman um, in the NBA? Like, you know, you have to – you want to – obviously you're living your dream out and playing basketball. But, you know, just the, that fighter's mentality, like you have to bring it every night. Uh, what was it like as a journeyman in, in, in the league or any league? 
Yeah, I mean, I, you, you you said it best in that, in that last statement. Like every every night, you can lose your job. You go, you won't have one, right? And it started it started in the CBA, uh, which is the G League now. I mean, you learn. Rudy Tomjanovich, uh, real quick. He had like he used to keep like four or five CBA guys on his roster because he knew they would fight. They didn't care about staying the five stars. They would care of love staying the five stars because we stayed in super eights, right? So to get a chance to get up there, there's no way you want to go back. There's no way you want to go back. So you're doing every single thing to work to make sure you stay up. And and I kept that saying that the fear of not being good enough, the fear of having to go home until I had a son at the time, tell my wife, hey, look, I'm I'm not, I'm not, I gotta find another job because I'm not making enough money for the supporters. There's a lot of things that I had on my plate that kept me focused on on getting in that gym, uh, staying in that weight room, making sure I was sharp. Um, but yeah, fear was fear was the biggest thing, man. And I was appreciative of every moment, right? And never took anything for granted. Um, once you look at it like that, yeah, it's a job, but I got to play in the best league in the world. So why not work your tail off to try to stay there as long as you can? Well, I, I'm going to take you back to February 20th, 1991. Carl Thomas becomes Justin Steele in a game. Uh, you achieved this as a member of Eastern Michigan, obviously, against Chicago State. Uh, did you realize that you were having such a such a good night stealing the ball as it was going on? And and looking back on it now, what does that achievement mean to you? No, I didn't. First of all, I mean Charles will tell you that that he tipped a lot of balls and I picked them up, and that's why I got the steal. Uh, <laughs> I don't agree with all that. Got to go check the tape. But that's Charles' story. He's sticking with that. I don't agree with that though. But but I look at I look at it. That's that's the closest I think I came in college is a triple double. I think I think I had fourteen points and eight eight uh. Uh, eight rebounds as well. So that was the close ever came to triple double and just playing. We pressed at Eastern Michigan. I played a diamond press almost the whole game. Uh, so we pressed Chicago State. Uh, Charles had his career out of that game. That's why he went. To, I overshot him with the eleven steals. So that's probably why he's mad at me. Um, but <laughs> no, I just played a game. Was playing our defense and and I just had to be in the right places to get some tips on some balls. And 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 I didn't try to go out to get eleven steals. Uh, but after the game, when they told me, I was like. You know, really, but to this day, I, I tell guys all the time because I'm known for my shooting, right? I'm known for my offensive stuff. And it said, so you can go Google me, man. I'm, I'm learning like like maybe five players that had more than more steals in the game than I did. Mookie Blaylock was on that list. And any list you could be on Mookie Blaylock, if you guys yeah. know who he is, man, that's that's an amazing mm-hmm. list to be on. Uh, he had 13. I think he has a record of all time. Yeah, 13. he has a record, yeah. So to have 11 in the game, man, I, I for being not known as a pure defensive guy coming out of coming out of college, I love that stat for me, especially over my brother Charles. <laughs> Somebody knew it. They got you covering Jordan in your background. <laughs> no, it, it, quite frankly, it, it's it's ironic that that happened, right? It's because I was known as a shooter, and I got on the court in Cleveland as a defender. So that's the way I got on the court. I got on the court, and it was one game. It was funny. We were playing Milwaukee Bucks, and and I'm playing. I'm guarding Ray Allen. Going to guard Ray Allen. Ray Allen, and I was passing up open shots. And Sid Lowe said, remember, you didn't make the team as a shooter. So you go ahead and look at, look at your shots. But I knew the, my, the way my first year to get in the game was to play defense. So it's kind of funny for me that being an offensive guy in college and all through high school that I made my mark as a defensive guy in the league before as well as a shooter. Go ahead, Rollo. So, Carl, your first NBA game, you come out, you get 12 points. Shot pretty decent from the field, hit a hit a three. <clears throat> Why didn't we see you more 
in that season? Was it, were you injured? Was it a numbers game? Why did we see you more? Because that's a pretty respectable first game. Yeah, that, it was, it was, it was a numbers game um, at first. I know that uh, me making a team right away was, was, was great for me. And, and I work, you know, go back to talk about working my tail off to get in the league. Uh, I had four draft picks, Pete Chilcutt, Randy Brown, Steve Hood, um, with three, three of them. That then and and I was a free agent. I beat Steve Hood out to make the team. Ralph Sampson was on that team. Spudwell was on that team. I talked to those guys all the time. Ralph's like, "Hey, you and Randy might be starters in Game 20." I'm like, "All right, Ralph, it's Ralph Sampson." I'm like, "I'm getting hype. I'm in the gym. I'm in the gym." And uh, Billy Owens decides to hold out. He said, "I'm not going to Sacramento. Not going." So they made a trade. That's how Mitch Richmond got over to Sacramento, and it was a two for one. At that time, we weren't, you know, we weren't really stashing guys on injury reserves and things like that. So uh, I was the only non-guaranteed on the on the con- on on the team at the time, and I had to go because they brought two. So one of the guys had to go, and even though I had my career high, my first NBA points was a dunk. That alley oop dunk that game, you know, almost got right. crossed over by Tim Hardaway. I can remember that game so vividly. I was into the game for 31 minutes. I'm like, okay, I got a chance of doing this. Um, but again, you find out very very quickly. Uh, that it could be a numbers game, especially when you're not guaranteed. And I still remember calling my mom. Jerry Reynolds calling me and saying, hey, Carl, I got to talk to you. And I was like, man. I stayed in that shower about three hours. I didn't want to go upstairs. Uh, but, it, again, I, I worked my butt off again to get back in the league. It was five, it took me five years to get there. Um, but I kept working, kept working, tried to get better, and never gave up my dreams. And I ended up getting back in the league with Cleveland in 96. So, uh, you know, you got, again, the CBA was good for me. As the G League is good for a lot of guys. If you want it bad enough to keep working and doing the right things, you know you'll get you'll get found. So you were chosen as the first head coach for Cleary University. What does that mean to you? And what can we expect from your team this season? Well, first is it was an honor. Uh, Miss Heather Heather Bateman, uh, you know, bestowed upon me to be the first ever coach in school's history in the school's history for men's basketball. Uh, I had worked with her at uh, Jackson Community College when I was a head coach there. Developed a great relationship. Uh, when she says you're going to start a program up, she tabbed me as 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 the person to be the, next, the first head coach. And I have uh, none of my family went to 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 Pittsburgh with me, so it gave me an opportunity to come back home. I have a grandson; he's five, uh, to be closer to family. Um, so I had to jump on a chance to do it. Now it's been a lot of work so far. I mean, we have no history. Because uh, I said there's no basketball, we had we didn't have a gym. Um, I'm recruiting all on my passion and and my love for the game and, and to help young men get better and fulfill their dreams of playing college basketball. And I think that's been coming across with some of these guys that I've been recruiting. Recruiting, I got about nine guys committed right now, um, and signed. I probably think I have another three uh, coming after this week, and I'm trying to get the number of around 14. Uh, so I'm going to be a big community guy, which I got some guys you know from the area on the team. I can't out- have some outreach. I got a couple of guys from Ohio with a relationship with uh, Akron, actually, because Charles coached a guy, Jamon Ife. I signed his, assigned his brother, younger brother. So uh, I'm enjoying this as a head coach. I'm still 0-0 right now because we haven't played a game. So that, that's that's I feel great about it right now. Who knows what, if I feel this good next year. But uh, like I tell the guys recruiting them, you come play for me, you're going to leave as the all-time winningest player in school history in your four years. <laughs> You'll be all-time losing his player as well, but <laughs> have a chance to be the all-time winning player. Who doesn't want to be that? And I get to do that as a coach. So I'm blessed every day I get the chance to wear this this every day and walk into that building. 
Yeah, every day they go out and play, they're setting a record. So there you go. Every single day. All right, one more guys each. Same order. Go ahead, Dion. Uh, I know for a fact that I asked your brother this. Um, what has been your biggest adjustment um, from playing to coaching? Uh, I think being 20 years in it now, I, I know a lot more, obviously, from through experience. But I know the first thing that humbled me year one uh, is just understanding that the players aren't you, right? And to realize their strengths and weaknesses and try to make them better in their image and not yours, right? I know there's a example of that. My first year at Eastern Michigan, there was a, a great shooter on our team, Danny McElhaney. He's actually from Pennsylvania, um, Pittsburgh area. And Danny, a uh, great shooter at Eastern Michigan, right? And sometimes in the game, he would stop shooting. And I could see from the bench, he's open. I'm like, Danny, you got to take those shots for us. John needs your help. Our big guy needs your help. And we were playing them, uh, uh, Miami of Ohio, and he made four for four in the first half. Didn't shoot the ball the first five minutes, six minutes of the second half. So we take a time. I'm like, Danny, shoot the ball. And he said, Coach, stop yelling me to shoot. I can't see the basket. Now, Danny's 5'10". I'm 6'4". So that taught me right away. I have to look at the game a little differently as as players might see it. So we had to work on different ways to get open. Shot fake, sidestep. Shot fake, one drill, pull up. You know, pump fake, reshoot, regather on that stuff. So it helped me teach had to start teaching a different way. Because at 6'4", obviously I can see a bunch of things that he can't see. So that year one, year two actually in college coaching helped me look at the game a different way. That's because of Danny McElhaney. That's nice. Uh, hey, Carl, uh, you were able to represent Team USA twice at the Pan, Am America, Pan American Games, uh, 1995 and 1999. And you guys won the silver medals in both of them. So what was it like to be part of that international play experience? First of all, I'm, I'm mad we got silvers. That's the first thing. You know, we're supposed to win yeah. gold. We're mad we got silvers. Uh, but the first one in 95 in Argentina, unbelievable atmosphere. 10,000-seat uh, stadium. We went to watch the volleyball girls play. And this is where you really know your country and the pride you have in wearing those colors. There's 10,000 people at a volleyball game screaming, chanting, playing drums. Just that atmosphere was, re was ridiculous. Uh, and it didn't stop when we got on the basketball court. Didn't stop. Now, we started out slow. We had a great a CBA All-Star team that we took, started out slow, uh, ended up making it to the finals. And one thing you knew about international stuff, our, our head coach at the time uh, said, Mike T said, Mike Thibodeau said, hey, if we're not up by 10 going into the fourth quarter, 8 to 10 going to fourth quarter, we're not going to win. I'm like, what do you mean I got to win? Because you're on the road, right? You're Americans against – Argentinians are where we're playing, and you felt that. You could feel the game losing. And I think we took it for granted a little bit in pool play, and that's why we were only five and three. Um, and then the one in Winnipeg, uh, we lost to Brazil, but Brazil, just like with Georgetown, how Georgetown lost with the Villanova, they shot 60-some percent from the three-point line. And we went undefeated in pool play, should have won the, won the gold medal, but they had to have their best shooting night to beat us, and that happens. But you also realize, as a young player, that Guys in other countries are good, too. They're just as big, just as strong, just as physical, and you can't take those games for granted. And, and, and a lot of those guys, we were playing against their Olympic teams. Like the Brazil team, they took them to the Olympics. The Argentinian team, we played against guys that played in the league. Manu Ginobili was on that team in 99 that we played in Winnipeg. You know, so we were playing. That was, that was their Olympics, both the Pan American Games and the Olympic Games. They took the same teams. 
So, you know, we had to bring our best. So it was fun to compete against the world's best at that time before I got to play in Europe. And then when I got to Europe, it came to give me a sense of what I could do to be successful over there as well because I had the international experience. Rollo. Carl, as a, as a coach with this NIL deal um, on, the, on the college landscape, how has it affected your ability to walk into someone's house and, and bring them aboard? Um, and has it made it more difficult uh, to, to, to recruit these kids um, out of high school? The first thing about the high school kids, it's, it's, it has changed the landscape of high school recruiting, for sure. Um, on the NI in, in the NAIA level where I'm at right now, I, I I I quite frankly, if I have to get a kid with because of NAI at this level, I'm not taking them year one. I want you to become because you want the opportunity to play. I want to come because you have the opportunity to play for me. Uh, the money we would be able to do that in the area is not as is not as great anyway. So if you're coming for the money at, at our level, but I'm trying to get you tuition to get into school and package that together, I think your focus is kind of off. Right, I understand it in the high, high, higher levels. Division one is doggy dog up there. Um, the rich still get richer though because they have the more money to, to be able to do that. Um, so I, I know where they open it up, and I think the players should get paid. It still doesn't help the young, the the, the lower division one guys. They're still going to be behind. There's no way Nigel Pack, for instance, getting eight hundred thousand dollars. You know, uh, breaking it down where he gets four hundred thousand a year. Who's going to beat that at, at the mid major level? So you're always going to be behind. Um, so I, I think the intent is great because players, they mentioned like they should be able to monetize that. They should be able to get paid for that stuff. I just think that that it, it, it hopefully it doesn't hurt the game to the point to where it becomes only business and become too professional that we lose sight of what college athletics is about. Now, I might sound old saying that, right? Most older guys think that way. But I, I think there's a love and passion. We talked about March Madness. That is so genuine why people love college sports. I hope that we don't lose that through all this NIL craziness. But I do understand that that's, you know, it's a necessary to give the player something back. Like Jalen Rose said a long time ago, man, I'm walking down the street, I see my number five in the, in the, in the store and they're making millions off it and I can't get a dollar. So I do understand why it had to change. I just hope we don't lose the love of what college athletics is about because of it. So we'll get you out of here with this tonight. Uh, your brother, Charles, twin brother, obviously, you guys, let's see, you played together in high school. You played together in college. You coached together at Duquesne, and, and I, I believe you guys coached together at Eastern Michigan as well. Not, not at Eastern, no. Not at Eastern. No? Okay. We just, play, we just played together at Eastern. Okay. So you guys have been intertwined for a long time. Do you see uh, – and he may, he may think differently than you on this, but uh, now, you know, you're a head coach once again. Could you – could you see him working under you as opposed to with you when you guys were assistant coaches and vice versa? Would you be able to work for him and be told, you know, what to do? I think that I, we have talked about that a little bit. Uh, if 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 we do get a chance and, and to work together, it's going to be together. I mean, it's, it's not that I can't take direction from him and he can't take it from me. We have been like this for so long. Uh, that that's probably where we're going to have to be. We're probably going to not have to be. That's where we will be. Uh, we've got a different appreciation for each other on a coaching level from working together, unlike we ever had being players together. You know, we were different players. We brought we brought positive to each other's games. And I think if we got a chance to coach together as a head coach or co-head coaches or, 
however you want to label it, I think we would do the same thing. It worked as players. We won two championships doing that. I think we were able to do it as co-head coaches the same way. Um, we'd be able to do the same thing. Because I think we both had to share the same passion about basketball. We share the same passion about helping young men and, and getting better and fulfilling their dreams. So I think that uh, it would be something sweet if it ever happened. Be something sweet. I, no one's ever done it either. So we get to – like I'm doing it clear, we get to be the first to ever do something, which is always special. Well, uh, thank you, Coach real Carl quick, Thomas. Real quick, real oh, quick, go ahead, Raul. Yeah. So Thanksgiving yeah. dinner, who's talking more, you or your brother? Who's talking more? Who's talking more trash, you or your brother? Oh, definitely Charles is. I, I, if, <laughs> if, if if we have family members, like I, when I'm with Charles, I'm talking a lot now because I'm, I'm I got the spotlight right now. If he's sitting right next to me, right here, I he talks it, then I go outside and I kick his butt. How about that? I beat him. <laughs> I, I don't have to talk my game. I got. To, I tell young men we get we playing shooting contests all the time in practice, right? And um, when I was at Eastern Michigan or whoever, and guys want to say, "Coach, I can beat you in shooting." I said, "I don't have to talk about it, man. You can go Google me and look it up. It's documented <laughs> what I've done at the school. I left the school as an all-time three-point shooter in school history. You know, I talk about the Pan Ams. I still have, I still set the record for threes in the game, in the Pan American games. It's only been tied. So if you want to know about me shooting, you know, you can go, you can go look it up. You know, I don't have to talk about it. That's my brother. My brother will talk it. I just have to do it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Coach. We really appreciate you being on. No, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I can't believe it went so fast. We have to do this again, hopefully. It, it flies. It definitely flies. I'll remind everybody, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button, whatever you're listening on. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for watching. Have a great night.